0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. How did we get here? If you're not the number one pick, guess what? You have no guarantee. That's where you are. And it starts. Does that make me a genius? Yes. Now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you the regression is real. Welcome in. We are live on a football Friday, a disappointing Falcons football Friday, as the Falcons drop a game last night to the Panthers 25 to 15. A very you know common score in the NFL, 25 to 15. Beyond that, uh, we got some Atlanta Hawks stuff to get to. Uh, we'll get some picks in as well. Some uh, Dansby Swanson news as Alex Anthopoulos was speaking at the owner's meeting. So, so much to do here on this Friday. Appreciate you guys joining me. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give a like and a thumbs up to the content there. As always, A to Z and Locked on Atlanta. Locked on Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast search, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Don't forget, we're on Roku TV. Download that Roku TV app on your Amazon Fire Stick, however you get it. Check out all the shows here on the Locked on Sports Atlanta network. And follow us on Twitter, at Locked on ATL. I'm at Margzino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-O. Okay, um, last night was, in one word, a mess what it was. Falcons played a bad game on several fronts, on several, several, several fronts. And, um, you know, the, the list is long enough, but just to run down. Obviously, Mariota played terrible. He was awful. The offensive line was bad. They couldn't get anything going in the running game. They couldn't stop the run at all. Um, they had multiple lapses in the secondary, uh, bad tackling. I mean, it, it, the game sucked. There's no way around it. You can't try to sugarcoat any of this. Now I know a lot of you are going to blame the quarterback, and we'll get to that in a minute. Like, and I understand that that is generally what's going to happen. But objectively, if you watch that game and you want to pinpoint, oh yeah, no, by the way, the kicker sucked. But all kickers suck. Forgot about that. How could I forget about that? Um, yes, kickers suck, all of them. But if you want to try to sit there and blame one thing, you're you're going to be wrong. You just are. This was a, a cacophony, if you will, a cornucopia of mistakes. It, it, it just, there was nothing that went right for them. Now, the crazy part is, for as much as things went wrong, um, they still had a chance to tie the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive in and of itself. And when you look at how badly they played, and you look at, how much they, uh, they they didn't deserve an opportunity to even come close to tying that game, um, well, guess what? They, they were there. And they were there for one reason and one reason only. It's the coach. Because clearly it ain't the players. <laughs> I keep going back to this, you know, and I was having conversations with people on Twitter both this morning and last night, and, you know, the... The point is simply this, that Arthur Smith is working with the deck stacked against him. He's working with below-average players at many of the 22 starting positions, and somehow he's making this team competitive. Now, when I said at the very beginning, the regression is real, I meant it. And what I mean by the regression being real, guys, is this. Go back and look at the games in the beginning of the year, that they've won, right? And just go look at how the games unfolded uh, and and what happened. Remember, they were losing to the Seahawks with three minutes left in the fourth quarter. They make enough plays to steal a four-point win. They probably shouldn't have beaten the Browns objectively. You got a lot of help from Jacoby Brissett, who turned the ball over not once, but twice. And the Browns had a chance inside their own 40-yard line, or I'm sorry, the the Falcons' 40-yard line to go out there, at least take a shot to tie the game, and Brissett throws another pick, right? The 49ers game, they get a pick six that changes the course of the game early. Clearly, last time, they could have lost the Panthers game. Like, I'm not sitting here downing the team. What I'm telling you is, is that the margin in the NFL of wins and losses is very, very small. And when you have below-average talent and you're a below-average team, despite how well you are coached, guess what? You are going to lose more games than you win. Especially as the season goes on, you're starting to see it. Like, and you'll find out this week with the New York Giants, right? They had one, they were six and one, and then they had finally lost a game that wasn't a one-score game. And now they're going to come out of the bye and play a bad Houston-Texas team. If they lay an egg, you'll start to see that regression come through. If they don't, you can look at it and go, okay, maybe it's real. And just like the bad teams that we're seeing that were bad at the beginning of the year, the other regression, which is back to the mean, gets better. And that's the Falcons opponent next time or next week with the Chicago Bears, who seem to be getting better and better every week. That's part of why the Falcons are losing these last couple of games is because you are what you are, and in being what the Falcons are, as a lesser talented team than most, they're getting taken advantage of. Sure, you can make a play here and there. Sure, you can absolutely, you know, come out on top in certain scenarios, but More often than not, when you take below-average players and put them in above-average situations, they fail to live up to that that measurement. And that's okay. That's absolutely okay. There is nothing wrong with that. It's just what it is. Acknowledge it and deal with it. Again, why I keep telling you guys, since week one I've been saying it, since week two, take a 30,000-foot view with this team. Some of these guys are players you can keep. Some of these guys are guys you want around. Not all of them. Some of them are just bad. They they just don't cut the mustard. And remember, you're playing with two practice squad cornerbacks. (laughs) It is what it is. Those guys aren't going to be playing for you next year. At least not on the regular squad. They'll be on the practice squad. So, you know, and if you take anything away from this game more than anything, More than anything, this offensive line has got to get fixed and got to get fixed fast. People keep talking about edge rusher and everything else. Man, you better get some offensive line talent. And think about what Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot have done. You know, after Kyle Pitts, they went after Drake London. Offense, offense. Offense is what this league is predicated on. It just is. You can't can't deny that. And they need help on the offensive line. It's bad. That O-line was terrible last night. And for as bad as Mariota was, the offensive line might have been worse. It genuinely, genuinely might have been worse. So, again, there was a, a litany of mistakes last night across the board. And, you know, there is a, a lot of things to blame. And you, and if you watched and heard Arthur Smith's postgame comments, he's never going to put it on his quarterback, guys. I keep trying to tell you this. He is not going off of Mariota. I was even even going back and forth with with good friends and, and media colleagues uh, last night about Mariota. You guys are all screaming for him. I'll say this plainly. Well, I'll get to Mariota in a minute. Why? Because th- there's more there that I want to get to, and uh, we also have to get to some hawk stuff. But I want to remind you first, before I get back to Mariota, that betonline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find news and reviews of every single league, the NFL, lots of games coming up this weekend, college football, some huge games to get to, you know, TCU, Texas, Alabama, Ole Miss. There are games out there with some pretty big spreads, but you read about them on betonline.net. Don't forget about NBA NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. They have podcasts for you to listen to about all these games. They give you sports wagering information, live in-game betting scores. BetOnline.net has you covered. So head to BetOnline today to use your mobile device or uh, – head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening today. BetOnline where the game starts. Okay, Uh, now that I botched that. I did that like the Falcons offensive line. Um, Here's the thing with Mariota. And here's the thing you need to remember. Arthur Smith is not moving off of him. And I said this repeatedly last night. Why is he not moving off of him? Because at this point, Desmond Ritter's ceiling is no higher. It's no higher. Right? But the floor is much lower. And that's the that's the issue. You know, if you want to be able to um, continue to win games... Desmond Ritter is going to make more mistakes than Marcus Mariota, if that's possible to believe. It is. I mean, it, it just is what it is. And and here's the problem. Okay, um, you know what the big bugaboo on Desmond Ritter is? This is is completion percentage, his accuracy. Guys, pay attention. Okay, In college, his rookie year, he only completed 62% of his passes. When he was the offensive player of the year, he only completed 64% of his passes. That's a low number in college. That's a really low number. College quarterbacks routinely complete passes in the 70%, 70% range. That's just what it is. He's not a very accurate passer. Neither is Mariota. So... If you're going to take a guy who's is equally as inaccurate, um, you know, what advantage are you really gaining? Here's the write-up. His accuracy and ball placement need work. He doesn't have the arm strength or release quickness to consistently survive off-throw targets against pro coverage. Guys, that answers your question. Arthur, also, Arthur Smith's defense, uh, offense rather, is predicated on so much pre-snap stuff that – It is way too much for a rookie quarterback to handle. He's going to get overloaded, and he's going to make bad decisions and more inaccurate throws, and you're going to get more bad than good. Pre-snap stuff is the hardest for rookies to get because they don't have enough experience to see it, which is why he's got to watch a ton of film and sit on the sidelines a lot and understand what he's looking at over and over and over and over again. I mean, you, you guys, you have to trust Arthur Smith here. I don't know what to tell you, but when you take an inaccurate quarterback who doesn't have enough experience to understand pre-snap, the results are only going to be bad. Arthur Smith knows this. He knows it. That's why you're not seeing the change. And you guys are going, oh, what if they what, what if what? This is not a first-round quarterback we're talking about. This is a third-round quarterback. He was a third-round quarterback for a reason. Read the scouting report. I mean, it's not a good one. So, I, I don't. I, he's not. Arthur Smith doesn't need to move off of Marcus Mariota. That doesn't solve the problem. You have to trust him. You have to know that he knows what he has. And I think he does know what he has. All right. I um, wanted to pivot here to the Hawks as they get a win last night uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers, 104-95. Um, Hawks took the lead early on in the first quarter and never looked back. They were in control of the game pretty much for the entire night. You had a huge night from Clint Capella, 18 and 20. You had another double-double from Aneka Okongwu at 10 and 11. Um, and then you had Trey who led the team with 26 in scoring, but another bad shooting night, seven of 21 and two for eight from deep. He got to 26 cause he got to the free throw line 10 times and made all of them. I mean, that, you know, Trey making those shots is, is literally the difference in the game. Uh, the free throws that is now I know I've kind of been banging this drum for a while now, but I'm just noting what it is. But it is a little troubling that, and again, this isn't the same Sixers team that we expect. There's no James Harden. Their offense has been bad this year. They're bottom four in the league, bottom three in the league in, in points per game. Um, they're not a very good shooting team. They only shot 38% last night. It uh Hawks took advantage, You're good for them. You know, that's what they're supposed to do. But it's it's kind of you know frustrating at times how uh they can go out and beat a, a team like Philadelphia. And again, granted, it was without James Harden but they lose to uh, Utah the night before. Now, they'll get a day off and play Philadelphia again. Let's see if they can come back and win two in a row. I I keep talking about the consistency angle. The consistency angle of this, to me, is very much a, a thing with the Hawks. And it's what they were last year. And as I said, my prediction right now, until I see otherwise, they'll be able to beat up on the bad teams and the lesser talented teams, and they are going to struggle with teams that are more talented than they are. Is Philadelphia more talented? Yeah, when they're healthy. But right now, they're not healthy. So, you know, uh, very, very difficult uh, read on the Hawks. Wish they were more consistent. Unfortunately, they're not. And look at the, and oh, by the way, just look at the Hawks' like offensive numbers. And this, to me, is a little bit alarming more than anything. You know, I mean, this is a team last year that shot nearly 40%. I think we're at 37, 38, if not 39 last year. Let me just – I'll double-check it right now. Hang on. Um, Because they were top three in the league. Yeah, they shot 37.4. That was good enough for second in the league behind Miami. Uh, This year, right now, currently they're 22nd in the league at 33%. Got to start making threes. Got to, got to, got to start making threes. And they are taking, you know, uh, less attempts, which is, you know, less attempts at least than they did last year. But even at that, their field goal percentage shooting, very middle of the road, 46%. You know, best teams in the league are at 48, 50%. So it's it's difficult to see where the Hawks are heading right now. Let's just hope they start to develop some consistency about where they are uh, and, and, and how good they can be, but you need to see it on both ends of the floor too. All right. Um, we got to get to some news and notes here from Alex Anthopoulos in regards to Dansby Swanson as well. We'll give you some picks and we'll wrap things up here on this Veterans Day Friday, football Friday as well. Hope you guys check out Locked on Falcons today with Aaron Freeman. I know it'll be tough, but you have to do it because he's one of the best when it comes to covering the Falcons. Near next listen after Locked on Falcons. Click on the Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. The Locked on Sports Today podcast available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Get us to 5,000 subscribers. Oh, God, it's been – what have we been doing this? Not even – Started what are we seven months now eight months so you guys are awesome thanks for all the support but uh, tell a friend subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already done so okay um, we have this thing starting tomorrow no today sorry with the um, with the Braves and Dansby Swanson um, he is now a free agent. Um, the Braves, uh, according to reports, and this is from Justin Toscano of the AJC, on Thursday, the Braves extended the one-year $19.65 million qualifying offer. You knew that it was going to happen. Um, and obviously, Dansby says he wants to be back. The Braves want him back. But that doesn't, you know, Freddie said the same thing, and Freddie's not here. Money is a real deal, folks, and uh, it absolutely changes things 100%. So. When you look at how this may play out and what are the options available to the Braves if they don't uh, don't re-sign him. You know, it's interesting. I mean, all the other big-name short stops that are out there, Trey Turners Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, you know, would the Braves sign one of those guys? I don't know. I would have to think that at least Turner and Correa are North salary-wise of where Swanson is. And if the Braves make an offer to Swanson that's not good enough to get, why would it be good enough to get Turner and Correa, right? Like, is that – And unless I'm wrong on how much better Turner and Correa are, I mean, I'm not downing Swanson. I would just assume those – and plus they're Boris clients. So there's always a 10% premium on Boris clients, right? Um uh, Bogarts and Correa, oh, I'm sorry, is not a, a Boris client. But, um, you know, you're always paying a little bump for them. And I get the sense, at least from the comments that I'm reading from Alex Anthopoulos, that maybe the idea of Vaughn Grissom playing shortstop immediately is not at the top of their list. Maybe it's more so Orlando Garcia. Um, or it's somebody else that's even lesser than all those guys. I mean, it, unless, you know, we know Alex always plays things close to the vest and he's, you know, very, very tight lipped about, uh, what he, what he's going to do. So he could just be playing a little bit of shadow games with us, but all that said, um, yeah, it, uh, it's one of those deals where, um, I don't really know what he's going to do, but I get the sense again, that maybe just maybe, um, that Vaughn Grissom isn't the answer that we think he is. Could be. We'll wait and see. Uh, okay, let's get to some NFL picks here, or I should say picks in college and in the NFL as we uh, as we wind things down here uh, on this Football Friday. Uh, college games on Saturday. Uh, I'll give you a list of the college games that I am on. Um, and... We talked yesterday about the college football playoff and, and some crazy scenarios that could be out there. Still think that's a possibility, although some of my colleagues think I have crackpot screwball theories, but nonetheless, they're allowed to think that I really don't care. Um, I'll tell you the two, the two best bets I have in college this weekend. Um, TCU getting seven from Texas. I know TCU has gone through a gauntlet, um, and they still are probably a little bit undervalued. This is, and Falcons fans will know this is a straight fate of Steve Sarkeesian laying seven points. Steve Sarkeesian as a favorite is bad. Steve Sarkeesian is laying more than a touchdown. It is really bad as a head coach. Um, TCU has had to come back in a lot of games this year, which is a little bit why the committee has disrespected them. But, you know, this this is a game where um, all the hype is around Texas. They're going to be at home. Um, TCU it's got an offense that is unstoppable. They come at you for 60 minutes and they average over 70 plays a game on offense. Like they just keep on pushing, man. So uh, my guess is, is that Texas will have a lead in the third quarter and Steve Sarkeesian will do something to screw it up and uh, either get me within a cover or allow TCU to win the game. This is just too many points. And the fact that the line has stayed right where it is to me is outstanding because that means you're getting equal action on both sides. And I'm not, uh, going to be one of the square dogs with TCU this week. So there's that. Uh, the other game is Ole Miss, Alabama. Like Ole Miss is getting, well, was 12. I think it's 11 and a half now. Now, Alabama hasn't lost back-to-back games um, since Nick Saban's rookie year, his first year in Tuscaloosa, I'd say, not his rookie his first year in Alabama. And Alabama has taken two losses before the Iron Bowl for the first time since 2010. So needless to say, we're in uncharted territory. All I'll say is this much. Two things. One, Nick Saban's defense has typically always struggled with mobile quarterbacks like LSU's Jaden Daniels last week. And Mississippi's Jackson Dart this week has 470 rushing yards on the season. Uh, He does a lot with his legs. He'll be able to extend some drives and uh, create some fits. You know, if Alabama plays a clean game and they don't make a ton of penalties and a ton of mistakes like they've been doing all season long, They could come out and blow out Ole Miss. But I would really be shocked if the Rebels and Lane Kiffin off a bye with two weeks to prepare for this game, lay an absolute dud, knowing what is on the line for them, that they have to win out and get some help against LSU in order to get to the SEC title game. So, yeah, if they lay a dud and get blown out by two touchdowns, shame on you, Lane Kiffin. Speaking of LSU, I'm taking the points with Arkansas. This feels like a major, major letdown spot for LSU. Coming off the big win, they got to go out on the road to a team that has has, has a great run game and can control the pace. You get quarterbacks that cancel each other out with Jaden Daniels and KJ Jefferson of Arkansas. They both make plays with their arms and their legs. And you have Arkansas coming off a bad home loss to Liberty. Sam Pittman should have his squad extra prepared. After that disappointing loss, um, LSU may be feeling themselves again. I still think LSU is a little overrated. Give me Arkansas plus three and a half on Sunday. Two games that I, I am looking at. Um, one of them is well, one is a total. Uh, it's the over in the Giants Texans game. I know a lot of people are like over Giants Texans, really? What those two teams? Yeah. Both have bad uh, run defenses. And with this total sitting below 41, which is a key number in totals in the NFL, a lot of totals land on 41. When you're below it, um, it's wise to take the over because these two teams can't stop the guys on the ground. Saquon Barker should have a big day. Damian Pierce should have a big day. I think both these teams can get to 20. um, And I genuinely believe that this will be a one score game. Can the Giants cover it? I think so. 27 20 feels like where this game would end, but um, I, like the, I like the over a lot in this game. And then believe it or not, I'm going to lay it with the Chicago Bears, who are hosting the Detroit Lions. Justin Fields and that offense have scored or averaged 30 points a game over their last three games. Matt Eberflus, the head coach of the Bears, has taken the training wheels off, uh, and he's let Justin Fields just say, hey, mate, go out there and do it. Go be Lamar Jackson, part two. Knock yourself out. Matt Nagy clearly wasn't willing to do that, uh, which is what cost him his job. Matt Eberflus is, and you're starting to see dividends that Justin Fields is starting to look like the quarterback that was drafted third overall, uh, and the Falcons are going to see him up close and personal a week from Sunday. And it might not be that pretty. Might not be that pretty against that defense. So uh, I know the number's at three. If there's some two and halfs out there, grab them. I don't know if there still are. Um, and I would get this before it gets to three and a half, because I think before Sunday, uh, enough people might back the Bears here, especially against the Lions. Really, really bad defense. Expect points in this game. Bears defense isn't great either. But when I'm at a field goal or less, remember, you bet numbers, not teams. Give me the Bears and lay the points. So those are the games that I'm on for this weekend. Uh wanted to take a quick final uh, note here to remind you about Locked on Falcons with Aaron Freeman. It's one of the best shows on this Locked On Sports Atlanta network. Make it your first listen. Make your next listen to Locked On Sports Today podcast, biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, final note here before we get out of here, um, just to say happy Veterans Day to all my brothers and sisters in arms. Um, I've been fortunate enough to put on a uniform for over 20 years and still wear it to this day. And uh, I am very thankful and grateful to have served alongside and fought alongside some of the best warriors that this planet has ever known. Uh, And I'm fortunate to still call a lot of those people my friends. And I'm certainly blessed that I still get to serve and lead uh, and, and help grow the next generation of warriors for our armed forces. So to all my brothers and sisters in arms and those who have served and those who continue to serve from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for choosing a life of service uh, and choosing something greater than yourself. Happy Veterans Day to one and all. Certainly appreciate it. And oh, by the way, you know, thank you for your service is nice. Buying people lunch is nice, but you know what's even better? Going out and being a good citizen. You know, voting, paying your taxes, following the laws that are written in your certain county, state, jurisdiction, whatever it is, be a good citizen. That's the best way to thank people for their service because that's what we're all fighting for. Enjoy your freedoms, every single one of them, but respect the laws of the land that we live in, because without it, you can see how bad things can become. So again, do appreciate the thank yous for your services and the free coffees and meals and everything that we're going to get today. Uh, But there's so much more you can do that goes beyond just words. With that, I wish everybody a wonderful weekend. We'll be back on Monday to recap all of this. uh, And certainly, we will absolutely uh, have more on the Falcons and the NFL. So you guys have a wonderful football Friday. Happy Veterans Day to all. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya. Brace yourselves because it's. Hey, prime members. You can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.